You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Take or write that down. Joy flows from deep connection. You know, the best way to engage the Word of God is with the, uh, something to write with, something to write on in your Bible open. Um, for the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about how to restore everyday joy in a hard season. Um, and, and that line, that's, where, that's what I want you to hear. Joy flows from deep connection. So um, back in my growing up days, there was a series of little children's books called, uh, they were all about a little round guy. Do you remember these? Mr. Happy, Mr. Uh, Tickle, Mr. Angry. Remember those? Mr. Happy's story went like this. This is his story. One day he left a very happy home to walk in the neighborhood, and out there he found a door, and he wondered to himself, who lives here? So he walked inside the door, and it led him down a long staircase into a room where Mr. Miserable lived. Mr. Miserable led Miss, or sorry, Mr. Happy led Mr. Miserable out of the room, up the stairs, to back to his house where Mr. Miserable stayed for some time. And over time, Mr. Happy began to rub off on Mr. Miserable until one day, Mr. Miserable found himself doing something he had never done before. He smiled. And the moral of the story is that if we're ever miserable, all we have to do is smile. Isn't that delusional? <laughs> I suppose there are people who can fix it, who can fix themselves because they have such optimism that they can will themselves happier. They live in such denial that they can smile past any, any, anything. I, I'm, I'm envious of those people, and I think we need those people because they keep the rest of us from pulling the whole ship down. But those people, the naturally giddy ones, are not most of us. Most of us are moody. Come on. Don't amen yourself. Amen the person you know who is moody. Yeah. We are stressed out and we are confused about our lives and the lives of the people we live with. We deal with real depression and real anxiety and real mood disorders and real grief. Many of us are chronically, we feel like we're, especially this year, we feel like we are just running to keep up. So how do messages about joy work for real people like us whose lives are a little more complicated than Mr. Happy's? How do we do this thing called reality without it looking like a Hallmark card? How does joy mesh with stress and broken dreams and broken relationships and broken hearts, the death of people we love and the kind of anxiety and depression that go on long past a bad mood or a bad day? Here's my real question. How does what we read in the Bible about joy makes sense if we are on Prozac. 
or worse, should be, but aren't. If Jesus said, I came, that you might have joy and have it to the full, then how do I acquire that inheritance? Here's what I believe. I believe that biblical joy is not only attainable, but is the normal state of the Spirit-filled life. Christians are meant to grow in joy. And as we've already said, maybe your temperament or your approach to life uh, or, or, or all the really complicating circumstances of this season make this more of a uh, the challenge for you. But as a follower of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, it is your inheritance. Joy is your inheritance. And there are things we can do to clear the pathways so we have the most opportunity to experience the, the, the spirit-led fruit uh, sorry, the spirit-filled life. I can't want to say fruit-filled life, but that's a donut. That's not a, that's not joy. Although a fruit-filled donut could alleviate the pain temporarily, right? Let's go ahead and be honest here. How does it work for the spirit-filled person so that you can have your inheritance? So first we need to get a good definition of the word joy, of biblical joy. First of all, joy is a spiritually generated response to God's love. Joy is a spiritually generated response to God's love. Write that down. Joy is a spiritually generated response to God's love. Notice I said spiritually generated, not emotionally generated. Second, joy is a deep down assurance that the quality of my life is rooted not in my feelings or circumstances, but in the love of a good and faithful God. So joy is not rooted in my circumstances, and joy is not rooted in my feelings. It is rooted in the love of a good God. Third, spiritual joy comes from a deeper place than our everyday emotions. Our, our everyday emotions, hear me, are also gifts from God. The difference is that emotions don't necessarily have roots in our spirit, but spiritual fruit does. Does that make sense? Yes. So I started with this, that spiritual joy comes from a deeper place than our emotions, our everyday emotions, but our emotions are gifts from God. I don't want to downplay your emotions. Emotions sometimes are, help you to understand that the house is on fire and you need to do something about it. But, but emotions, the difference is emotions are not rooted in our spirit. Unless there's some kind of soul tie going on there sometimes. But, but the, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that is rooted in the spirit. Spiritual fruit has roots. So the last thing I want to say to you is that joy, well, it's not really the last thing I want to say to you. It's the last thing I want to say to you in this list. <laughs> I don't want to say much of other things. Joy is a natural fruit of the Spirit-filled life. And it happens when we connect. That's a really important point. Joy happens in deep connection. Joy happens in deep connection. Say that with me. Joy happens in deep connection. And that takes us to that passage that Shannon just read in this 
video we just watched, John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, the first eight verses that Shannon has already read for us make all kinds of deep connections. We hear the connection between Father and Son, between the Son and those who are connected to Him, between those who are connected to Christ and the fruit that they bear in still other lives. And we will discover that there is this deep connection, Father and Son, Son and people, people and other people. There is a deep connection, and the fruit of that deep connection is joy. Verses 9 and 10 sum up that whole first section. So look at John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in my what? Remain in my... Yeah. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So the point is to remain in his love. It's one of several places in John where we hear about this intimate and interrelated, this uh, loving interrelatedness. There's a 25-cent word for it, and I wouldn't spring it on you except that I really think it's a great word. The word is perichoresis. Perichoresis. I'm going to spell it for you. P-E-R-I. C-H-O-R-E-S-I-S. You want me to spell it again? P-E-R-I. Let's see this down here. P-E-R-I-C-H-O-R-E-S-I-S. Perichoresis. You think you've heard me talk about this before because I've talked about something before called perichoresis, but that's a whole different peri, a whole different thing. Perichoresis. It's not a biblical word, but it's a word used, it was used by the early church fathers to describe a very real thing that we find all over the scripture. It it means something, it can mean something like rotation, a kind of movement among beings toward each other in such a way that the beings move into each other and complete each other. If you're not writing, I want you to take your hands and just do this with them. Just do this with them slowly. Do this. I want to see somebody do this. Come on. There you go. There you go. Do this. When you do that, now you need to add a third hand to it, which you don't add. But just imagine there's a third hand there, and they're all coming together. That's Trinitarian perichoresis. They are coming into each other. In the Trinity, there is this sense of welcoming and enfolding each member into the other, completely accepting and owning each other, all of it out of an abundance of love, and all of it constantly moving. Isn't that beautiful? This 25-cent word, perichoresis, teaches us how Father and Son and Holy Spirit are with each other. And it's not like they're all inward turned and sort of making a big black hole out of this witness. It's more than just mutual indwelling. It is hospitality. It literally means to make room or to make space for each other. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit continually, eternally, lovingly, warmly, enthusiastically, wholeheartedly inviting each into the other's heart. It is our God. He is 
internally loving, but the posture of perichoresis is completely other-centered. It is Jesus spending himself on the Father, and the Father spending himself on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit spending himself on Jesus. And in John especially, Jesus wants us to somehow get the flavor for how it is, for how it feels to live in this love soup, because we are invited in. Jesus says, John 10.30, the Father and I are one. 10.38, if I do the works of my Father, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. John 14.10, Do you not believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. John 14, 20, on that day you will know that I am in my Father. And then he adds the third one. You are in me and I am in you. Excuse me, John 17, 21, and 23, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, I in them, you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Isn't it just beautiful? Jesus wants us to understand this intimate connection with the Father and that we are invited into this connected, holy, divine personality, into this love soup as people made in the image of God. And so the invitation is, y'all come on in. And the assurance is, you are beloved. And the promise is, you belong. And all of it is fueled and enlivened. It's not dead. It is, it is a constant, dynamic movement of God's pure, self-giving love. And it sounds so abstract, doesn't it? It's hard to grab hold of. But listen, this isn't just abstract theology, some big word I'm laying on you so I can look like I know what I'm talking about, biblically speaking. It means something in real life. Perichoresis means something in real life to be Trinitarian. Perichoretic (laughs) is to make room for other people. (sighs) To welcome the stranger. To give water to the thirsty person and food to the hungry person, to visit the one who is sick and in prison, to love the one the world overlooks, to find your sense of adventure fulfilled in the work of self-giving as you participate in a translation of something in Venezuela or as you participate in a nutrition program in Haiti. It is this glorious adventure of self-giving. So there's such a beautiful movement in John 15. 
Verses 1 through 10 tell us to remain in Christ as he remains in us. He's teaching us that God has made room for us in his heart. If we are branches, there's room for us in his vineyard. We are invited to remain in him, but our remaining bears fruit. And then look, verse 12 signals a shift. I'm going to come back to verse 11, so don't get nervous, because I know you are. So verse 12, he says this, My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You are all part of the same soup, he says. And you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I invited you in. I told you you're beloved. I said you belong. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. He appointed us, why? So we we can bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. So he bookends it, both sides. Love each other. Love each other. So now Jesus shows us how perichoresis completes itself. It doesn't collapse in on itself. It expands outward. The circle of loving is completed as we enter into the heart of God and then turn and invite others into God's heart. It is divine hospitality, making room for others, not as an option, but as a command. What did Jesus command us? Love each other. Love each other. A new command I give you to love one another. That's right. Understanding that love in its Trinitarian sense is dynamic. It is alive. It, is, it moves. It is welcoming. It is hospitality. It is making space. Someone has said that living into the perichoresis life means to make room for others and then help them flourish in the room you have made for them. Isn't that beautiful? Let me say it again. Biblical love means making room for others and helping them flourish in the room you have made for them. The power generated by the Trinity, the perichoretic power, is love. It is love. You want to know why there's so little joy in the world these days? It's because there's so little perichoretic power (laughs) flowing from and between us. Did we remember how to love each other? We have distanced now for months. We've worn a mask which sort of puts us in our own private phone booth for months. Some of you don't even know what a phone booth is. It's it's the feeling that you have when you're wearing a mask. Your sort of own little enclosed space. Can we remember how to love each other? Because, because, here's the kicker. Verse 11. He says, 
I've told you all of this, all of this, so that my joy might be in you, so that your joy might be full. This verse seems to sit in the middle of this passage, John 15, 1 through 17, almost like a divider between two halves. Jesus leads into this line, telling us to stay connected to him. And he leads us out of this line, telling us to be connected to each other. So all this must mean that the love we find in the heart of the Father, pouring through us as we love like Jesus loves, will result in joy, in real joy, that we get the joy of passing on, which means joy generates joy. Joy flows from deep connection. Joy flows from deep connection. And these days, deep connection is a challenge, but it is not impossible. It is the natural result of remaining in Jesus, and it is the intentionality of loving people. That's what John 15, 1 through 12 teaches us. When we remain in the vine, when we stay connected to Christ, we will bear fruit. And when Paul defines the fruit of the Spirit, here's what he says. He says, you know, when you read in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, you get the sense the first thing in that list is a list of nine things. And the first one is love. You can make a case for saying, do you hear that music? You make a case. I'm connected. That's not good. Um, the, 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 the headwaters is love. The headwaters is love. And all the other eight flow out of the headwaters. If you don't have love, you can't have the other eight. And the fruit of the Spirit, he tells us, uh, Galatians 5, 9. Verse 23. Love. And out of the love flows joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control. Joy flows out of the headwaters of love and out of his love flows joy. Joy isn't circumstantially rooted. It is rooted in Christ. When Christ talks in this passage about bearing fruit that will last, he is talking about connection to Christ, which connects us to each other. So, I have a couple questions for you. First, have you had a genuine, transforming encounter with Jesus? takes you beyond knowledge of God and into personal relationship that shows you that rich and glorious heart for God. If you can't, if you can say to me right now, I got no clue what you're talking about. I've never been connected in that way. I want to invite you in. There is space for you. There is room for you. And there is so much more for you than knowing about God. So you want to come on in. You belong. You are beloved. If you have had that encounter, if you have had that experience of love flowing through you, 
And it's that encounter with love connecting me with people in the world. So that the love of Jesus is continually being generated through you and producing through you joy and peace. If you've forgotten how, it's not too late. It's not too late. Joy is found in deep connection. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.